Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You have fallen your way into, you have clicked your way into, you have tapped your way into an episode of Man Buns of Jesus. I am your host, Josh Laborious, and with me, as usually, is my co-host, Benjamin Olschlager. Ben, what are we talking about today? Josh, today uh, we're getting into chapters 16 and 17 of Exodus, where we look at the way that God provides for his people uh, in in manna and water, and... uh, we're going to check your thinking on what it means to understand how God provides. But first, suffer through our saint, our theme song. Are you ready? It's that time! It's worse every time. It, it, it's so loud. <laughs> I'm the it's, one pressing play and I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> we're in the season of Lent, so it's a season of suffering. Uh, we're just helping, <laughs> you, <laughs> helping you in your remembrance. But as as we mentioned, we are, are looking at the, the 16th and 17th chapters of the book of Exodus today. Uh, not going to look at, at the last bit at the battle, but um, we're we're looking at how God provides. So to, to kick us off in this conversation today, um, we want to take a look at this concrete example of what God is doing um, and maybe some of why he's doing it. And that can help in, inform our conversation later on today. So, Josh, uh, as you look at the story here in Exodus, uh, what strikes you about what God is doing and maybe some of why he's doing it? Yeah, so to if this is maybe your first episode listening or you don't remember where we've been, we have to remember that God led his people out of Egypt with Pharaoh's armies at their heels, right? So they are, in many ways, they're, they're carrying their lives with them into the wilderness and that means providing for this nation is is something that they're having to deal with and it's difficult as evidenced by what we see in these chapters it's it's that's hard to do for as many people as they have for as many people as they have to provide for especially when they are still on the move they haven't settled yet they haven't found a spot where they're going they're going to set up with any sort of permanency. So it reaches this point where the people of Israel are, are really concerned about this and they, they grumble. The word grumbling is used a lot in, in the next several chapters in Exodus. Um, and God responds to that by providing for his people. And how he does that is uh, the specific word. This is in Exodus 16, four, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people will go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And the reason they do that is because on the seventh day, they can't go out and gather food because work is is not supposed to be done. And later, when when you move on, uh, some of the Israelites get in trouble because they gather on, on just a regular day. So say like on a Tuesday, they gather more than they need for the day. And it spoils. It goes bad. And the the lesson there kind of is, well, trust that tomorrow there will be more bread. Don't kind of hoard up for yourself. Don't be greedy today because you're trusting that God's going to take care of you tomorrow. Which is interesting because when they gather enough for two days on the sixth day, it doesn't go bad. So you do see there's some divine intervention involved, even more than just kind of bread appearing out of nothing. Um, and also quail, then quail, which is a bird that they eat. Uh, God sends quail to kind of provide for them. So uh, they have their meat, uh, their, their protein and their carbohydrates, because uh, those are both important for a healthy balanced diet. And then later, you know, they're, they're hiking through the wilderness. And what's the other thing that you need? You need water. You need food and water. And the people are quarreling with Moses. They, they need water. They want water. So they're, they're complaining again. 
and God sends him to a rock and, and he tells him, strike this rock and, and water will come out. So Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. That's Exodus four, uh, 17, the end of verse 6. Um, so that's kind of, that's what we're dealing with. That's how God is providing for his people. And it's very much in a supernatural way. It is, you woke up and there is bread on the ground for you to just pick up. For some reason, there's a flock of birds that kind of just landed in the middle of your camp, right? There is water that is pouring out of a rock that up until very recently did not have water pouring out of it. These are these are supernatural ways that God provides. And as far as like, how do we react to this? How do we, what do we see here? I think it's really cool. Obviously, God is providing for his people and he is, he is, doing so in ways that kind of defy how we look at the world. But I think a trap that we fall, a, a danger in this text for for us today, right, is that we want to see a supernatural intervention. And that's not, I, I would say, and I haven't counted, so I could be incorrect, but I would say even if you go through Scripture and you look how God provides for his people, more often than not, it is not some supernatural. Well, it's not, I shouldn't say that. It's not something that looks supernatural. It is God working through people, through circumstance, through um, through the nations of the world. Like he's leveraging his creation to take care of his people. And I think when we see things like this, where it is a more evidently supernatural, where we just see incredible things happening, or like in the New Testament, when Jesus feeds 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. You're like, why doesn't God provide for me like that? I don't know why. Because he has decided not to. That isn't to say he's not providing for you. You're just, you're wanting it in a flashier way than he's currently doing. So that's kind of, that's the, that's the, the history we're dealing with here. And that's, those are some of my initial thoughts. So I kind of I want to kick it back to you, Ben. If there's anything that jumps out, anything I missed, obviously cover my cover my gaps. I mean, no, I think you're exactly right. There's I just ran through it in my head. I can only think of about a half dozen occasions in all of Scripture where God does something like this to miraculously provide for people, uh, especially in like their their food needs. A um, couple times with prophets, you mentioned the feeding of five thousand. Um, this particular occasion, um, and uh, there's a couple others that I remember, but now I can't think of either. Um, but like, it's not like this is an everyday occurrence. I mean, this is an everyday occurrence for the Israelites, but this is not something that God goes about doing each and every day for each and every one of us. Um, and so we need to think about the way that God provides for us in a little bit different way. Yes, there will be times where God does miraculous things. Um, but I think you're exactly right that more often than not, they are through ordinary means. I can think of so many examples uh, of you know, pastors or uh, seminary students or other church workers who are like, I've got this, you know, odd numbered hole in my budget as I'm trying to do this thing. And, you know, a check shows up in the mail or somebody walks in with an extra donation and it just like perfectly matches um, that need in that moment. And like, it is miraculous, um, but it is God using ordinary means to do extraordinary things. Um and I think like that's how we should be most of the time seeing like like expecting if as much as we can expect expecting God to work in, in cool ways. Like, Which I think we can you can expect mm-hmm. God to provide for you. Yeah. Because oh, he, yeah. he promises to take care of his people. And if you want to look, if you want to say, well, what are their biblical examples of him using people? Look at the entire book of Judges. 
Israel gets in trouble with uh, another nation, typically it is their fault, right? It's it's a consequence for them um, being less face, faithful than they should be. <clears throat> and God doesn't just smite the other nation when it's time to rescue Israel. He sends men and women to do it. Um, and if you're listening, you're like, wait, women? There are a couple. There aren't many female judges, but there are, there are Deborah being a notable example. Um, although I don't know if her title would have been judge. That's not important. That's not the top. It's not the topic here. But um, so we see we see that there. We see in the New Testament a lot of times when you see it, Paul in his ministry, especially pieces, kind of just fall the right way for him to continue his missionary journey where he needs to go. And the thing with God working through ordinary means is it's easy to dismiss them. It's easy to say, well, that's just luck, or that's just this person has prepared the right way for whatever task is in front of them. And you can say that. I would argue back that God is in the preparation as well. So, Yeah. And speaking of preparation... When it comes to the way that God provides for people, um, there are some kind of crazy extremes around what that maybe shouldn't look like. Um, and in my head, there are two places that I, I go most immediately. Um, and all of this we're going to start framing some things that Josh and I really see as, as what we're not trying to say about the way that God provides. This is, these are things that God is not doing, especially not doing consistently. Um, He's not encouraging you to do these things. These are not good mindsets for you to have um, because a scripture and B uh, our church history and tradition has, has pointed out time and time again, that like, these are not things that we need to be doing. So I'm going to start with the most extreme examples. Cause they're the most, I don't know, obvious and Fun. maybe funny. Yeah. Um, so on the one side, you've got preppers. Um, like there's a weird chunk of the like evangelical. Just to make sure our audience heard you. You said preppers. Yes. Yeah, I said preppers. P R E P P E. Yes. Yeah, because Bunker there's a in the backyard filled with canned tuna preppers. Exactly. Yeah, there are uh there's an interesting corner of the 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 church world, especially in the evangelical world that is so focused on the end times and the the coming plagues and destruction that they are squirreling away um, frankly disturbingly long shelf life cans of mac and cheese in, in order to survive an apocalypse that I don't think is supposed to play out the way that they think it's going to play out so um, wouldn't encourage I also, you I have, some, I have some questions in the logic that we're not going to get into I don't think I, no, I don't like, think we need to. Wait, you think an, a, a, a divine apocalypse that is ending the world as we know it is going to leave your bunker alone? You think demons care about concrete and rebar? Like, are you. Also, what? yes. Also, yes. Um, <laughs> and we have devised weapons that can get through these things. And we're like, we're. We're small potato, like not specifically Ben and I. Um, I'm talking about humanity. Obviously. We're fairly large potatoes. Um, of the couch variety. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, like, would not recommend becoming a prepper. Um, but on the flip side, there are there are those who I would say put their God to the test on a not infrequent basis. Because, you know, they, they come from kind of the attitude of why work when God will provide? Um, 
and that doesn't mean like this is not a knock on someone like a missionary who's doing work and is reliant on you know their community their denomination their church whatever it is to to make sure that their needs are met um but this is like the like i'm not going to create a support network i'm not gonna um do any sort of planning or forethought uh no structure i'm just gonna go follow where the spirit leads me and trust that god will provide and i've mentioned this before any and and this is partially because i'm a cynic anytime says well the spirit just led me to i'm like did it did it or was that you saying i want blank my feelings must really be the spirit moving me there are a lot of instances where people have told me, well, I feel like the spirit was leading me. And I'm like, no, no, I think you were leading you. But you want to make it sound sanctified and holy or whatever. Continue, Ben. Yeah, I mean, let's not dismiss completely the work of the spirit here. but By no uh, means. Yeah, the, the spirit drove... Uh, Philip? Philip to the eunuch? Yeah. Yeah. And then spirited him away. Yeah. And then drove Peter to uh, to Joppa <laughs> to go visit Cornelius I, uh, and his family. I don't deny that at all. But like... But I am suggesting that if you have to announce from the mountaintops that the spirit is what is moving you, then maybe... Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Like maybe if the spirit was moving you, everybody else like the spirit was obviously moving this person. Yeah. I think yeah. You're you're exactly right. If the if the spirit is leading you, usually you don't need to announce the spirit is leading you. Oh. That there and I are I admit I am more cynical than I should be, but Yeah. If I'm dealing with character flaws in myself, I got I got a whole lot I got to deal with before I get to that one. So, um, yeah. So those those are kind of your extreme bookends of I'm going to prep for the absolute worst case scenario, and um, you know God is providing for me by letting me hoard resources. Um, and on the other end, you've got. Um, I don't need to prepare for anything because God will just take care of me every step of the way. You know what that reminds me of is preachers who don't prepare for their sermons at all. Mm. Because I had had Dr. Nasker and he said the Holy Spirit is not there to cover for your lack of preparation. When he was kind of making the point for you should study the text, you should study the text thoroughly before and and have your sermon planned out well before you actually give it. Um, I want to. I have a couple things based on those. So you're setting up these two extremes. I have one I want to add, and I want to hear your thoughts on whether it belong like what side of the thought of the lazy extreme it falls on. Okay. Um, and that is people who are not. So you, the the one you set up is kind of a church worker of some sort is going off to do call it mission without sure. developing anything. I would also submit an extreme on that end somewhere is someone who says, oh, God's going to provide for me. So I'm going to sit on my couch and binge watch the office all day. I don't need to get a job. I don't need to get an education. I don't need mm-hmm. to make an effort because God is going to provide for me. Um, so I guess, first of all, like what, I don't know if that's further along the spectrum or, or closer down um, because at least you're minimizing the, the, the resources you have to draw because you're not, <laughs> if all you do is sit on the couch, you don't need as much food as if you're out running around doing stuff. Um, doesn't mean necessarily that they're eating less. That's true. In fact, well, we're, we're not going to go there. Um, and that kind of 
Actually, I want to wait. Ben, do you have any responses to that before I... I No. So I, I think the, the scenario that I was kind of setting up, I wasn't necessarily intentionally meaning that it had to be some sort of church worker or missionary that was being the, the like, no structure, no safety net, no planning, no nothing. Um, yeah. That was more of like a... I'm, I'm trying to distance this definition from, like people who go out on mission and don't have like a, they don't have a concrete chain support. of Yeah. Yeah, supply. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to differentiate those things because they are different things. Um, and you are, you're right that that, that picture of, of somebody who puts in zero effort to support themselves and just relies on God is very much like a preacher who doesn't prepare a sermon ahead of time and just relies on the Holy Spirit to carry. Which we frown on. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Do your that, prep I mean, work. There are, there are Sundays where I don't know exactly, like, I can wrestle with a text all week and not know exactly what I want to do with it until Sunday morning I wake up and go, no, this is what I need to say today. And like, it'll, it'll put the pieces together, but I've done enough legwork going into that, that it's not like I'm coming at it with nothing. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's putting an edge on a sword rather than making the sword from scratch on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. My philosophy has always been, cause my tip, my typical pattern is I study the text on Mondays and then I write the sermon on Tuesdays. And most weeks, my sermon is done Tuesday or Wednesday, <clears throat> depending on how the schedule is going. Mm-hmm. But in any case, my philosophy with the prep part, with the part you're talking about, um, is you better be the most familiar with that text of anyone who's going to be in the room on Sunday. With a couple exceptions, right? If you're a pastor in St. Louis and you have some professors from the seminary, and they, <laughs> you might they get a literally pass. wrote the commentary you're studying out of. Yeah, I do not expect you to be more familiar with the text than they are. Yeah, I'll concede that point. But, and the reason yeah. I say that is because whatever message you preach, you should be prepared for any questions or concerns or doubts about uh, a translation or or a take that you had. You should be prepared for those questions. Should they come after service? And they might not come very often, but you should be prepared for them if they do. Um, All right. So back out of the rabbit hole. Um, two questions that those extremes kind of bring up and that I think we can answer to, to help us in our conversation about how God provides. One, you know, why should we try to, you know, either earn a living or work in such a way that we can help sustain ourselves. Um, and Josh and I, as we were talking before the, this episode about this, um, the, the big thing is like, if you look around in society today, you, you can kind of get away with it, right? There, there are enough social safety nets in place that like, you can hypothetically go without a job. You can hypothetically um, not have a real income and, you know, get state-sponsored housing. There's enough food banks around. Um, there are often services for just about anything that you need, you know, automotive or yeah, whatever else. The state that I am currently in is notorious for this. Yeah. And I would love to defend it and stick and say, well, most people, they don't, they're not taking advantage of the system. But California is also people take advantage of the system. Yeah. And California is also pretty notoriously inefficient about the way they go about it. So like, yeah, they're pretty good at money just disappearing and everybody's like, I don't know where it went. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is not necessarily about politics though. Like the, the heart to serve the poor, the homeless, the, those in need. Great. That's not what we're talking about here. 
But if you have the capability to do some of these things, you should work to sustain yourself, whether that's like, maybe you can't get a job, but you plant your own garden so you can grow your own food. Great. Maybe you do some odd jobs on the side so that you can, you know, pay some of the bills off so that you're not a complete, uh, you know, anchor to society or something. Um, Well, I would, I'm even, okay, this is a half-baked idea. So take it as such, everyone, because I haven't chewed it all the way through. Like, I'm even okay with, if you say, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm not, I I don't have employment or I can't, like, Mm -hmm. whatever. But if you say, you know what I'm going to do is every day I'm going to spend at least, you know, however many hours of your day cleaning up the street. Just go down the street, picking up trash, cleaning stuff up. And you know what? Yes, you are. You're still maybe taking advantage of public programs, but you are in turn contributing something. And kind of the the biblical point that I want to set up for you to respond to, Ben, is (laughs) because God provides not just food, not just water, not just like our hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. God also provides discipline for his people. Okay. And a lot of times that takes takes place through consequences. So if Mm -hmm. you are going to be a lazy bum, the consequence of that might be you're going to be a lot hungrier than you want to be. And if you say, well, that doesn't sound very biblical. Nope, that sounds very biblical. Because in the New Testament, I believe the quote is, he who does not work shall not eat. Talking about, uh, actually, this specific situation. The New Testament church was dealing with some people who were perfectly capable of working, and they were just kind of mooching off the rest of the church. And they write, he who does not work shall not eat. And there's a specification there that he's not talking about people who are incapable of working, you know, mm-hmm. because they, they have some infirmity or they have some disability or um, even just, you know, they're widows or they're too old or whatever. He's talking specifically about people who are capable and choosing not to. So if you say, well, God calls us to serve our neighbor through our vocations. And that includes being a productive member of society. Then maybe the thing he is providing when you decide not to do that and you go hungry, maybe the thing he is providing is discipline. And maybe that's what you need most at that point in time. Thoughts? Am I taking things out of context? No, I mean, that's exactly where I was leading to with this is like, again, classic Luther quote that I know we've used on this podcast before of God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Um, Like why get a job when you can live off the rest of society? Because your neighbor is counting on you to be a good neighbor. And like, I recognize that there are are things that we undervalue in society. So that makes them, you know, less profitable in terms of being able to support yourself. And you might need to be on some programs, uh, especially depending on what, you know, life circumstances you're coming from. Um, But there are always things that we can do to fulfill our vocation. Um, You know, even the, the least capable among us, can still be fervent in prayer. The least capable among us can still be good witnesses to uh, the things that that God has given us. The least capable among us can still be seeking to grow in their their knowledge of what God has given them um, and encourage others in the same. Like <clears throat> there's there's always something that we can be doing to better ourselves and better our neighbors and create a better place for all of us. Um, and that kind of gets into my second point, which is <clears throat> sometimes we go a little bit less on this extreme of like, you know, why worry about anything if God's going to provide and um, kind of the YOLO attitude. For those of you who aren't from circa 2000, 
15 or whatever that was. Um, that stands for you only live once. And the, the mindset behind it was like, you have to live in the moment because you only get one life to live. Um, and that's led to some interesting financial planning decisions from people. Um, and that's, that's something that like the church to some extent takes on in a different path because, um, Jesus tells his disciples. Remember all those cheesy church shirts that came out during that time? You only live twice. Yolt. Yeah, I do. Anyway, um, the, the church kind of took on some of that mantra because like Jesus tells his disciples, some of you won't see death before the son of man comes again. And like, we're called to live every day like it's our last. So why hold on to money if Jesus might come today? But I've got stewardship. Two. That's why you're supposed to be a good steward. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like stop everyone just, and this is a blanket statement. Stop only listening to some of the things that Jesus had to say. Mm-hmm. Because yes, he says he's going to provide. He says like, be ready. Cause he could come back any day. Mm-hmm. He also says, be a good steward of your resources and work for your neighbor and serve your neighbor. And it actually, interestingly enough, I'm going to force this segue back. You said you only live once. That was kind of a a battle cry for bad decisions. Uh, the very insightful philosophical, philosophical musical group, The Lonely Island, had an interesting take on YOLO as a concept. I remember. It, and, it ends with... Uh, uh, let me read you some of the lyrics for this song, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. You know that we are still young. So don't be dumb. Don't trust anyone because you only live once. Uh, Never go to loud clubs because it's bad for your ears. Your friends will all be sorry when they can't hear. Stay away from drugs because they're not legal. And bury all your money in the backyard like a beagle. You should never trust a bank. They've been known to fail. And never travel by car, bus, boat, or by rail. Don't travel by plane. Don't travel at all. Build a bomb shelter basement with titanium walls. And wear titanium suits in case pianos fall on you. And never go in saunas because they're crawling with piranhas. So, you only live once. So, according to the Lonely Island, you should be very, very careful. Because there are piranhas in the saunas. They they also changed YOLO to mean you ought to look out. You ought Um, to look out. Yeah. So, like... You can also certainly take this in the opposite direction and, and it becomes closer to that, that prepper lifestyle kind of thing. Yeah. Um, a bomb shelter basement with titanium, with titanium walls. Titanium walls of wearing titanium suits in case pianos fall on you. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> the- Which kind of, so we've dealt with, Ben, these two extremes that, that you set up in the beginning. And I think we've, we've also dealt with maybe taking a step in from that on the one yeah. side. So on the other side, I think there's also this idea of, and I genuinely don't know whether this is a good biblical faithful statement or not, but said by people who have a pull yourself up by your bootstraps attitude, Uh, which first of all seems logistically difficult. Sounds like a good way to trip. Is yeah. God helps those who helps who help themselves, and I have always thought, especially because in the Lutheran Church we have such a focus on receiving gifts from God in, mm-hmm. in the realm of salvation mm-hmm. that that sentence makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because could you convince me that it applies in more physical situations where? We, we are called to be a good steward of our abilities and our resources and kind of help ourselves in that way. And, and God will provide for us through that and in that. Yeah, you could maybe convince me of that. But I think the danger with this sentence is if it ever apl- gets applied to salvation. Because you do not help yourself at all in that way. Yeah. You are nothing but counterproductive in your efforts for salvation. Uh, yeah, so we rely on Jesus for that. So, what are what are your thoughts on that sentence? I think 
I mean, I think you've hit it exactly on the nose, because if you look at scriptural history and the, the different examples of what it means to um, to take care of the things that God has given you, um, where it turns into blessing are the, the times where it's purely, purely like physical things and possessions. Um, so like I think of Joseph in Egypt at the end of the, the book of Genesis, uh, Pharaoh puts him in charge of stewarding the, the harvests of Egypt so that they can withstand this, this coming plague and famine that's coming. Um, and Joseph does a good job. So he is rewarded. Um, but he's not rewarded in a, like his faith gets better kind of way. He does a good job taking care of his neighbors. So so he gets a cushy spot in the palace. Exactly. So he gets a cushy spot in the palace and his family gets to use good farming land on the Nile Delta for, to raise their flocks. Like, Although cool. that was also partially because the Egyptians thought shepherds were gross. Also true. Also Which true. is a biblical detail. It's in there. Look it up. It is. It is. Um so like that's a that's a prime example. Um the the one that oftentimes gets associated with that line of uh God will help those who help themselves is uh Hezekiah and his tunnel, um, where the, the people of Jerusalem are preparing to be besieged by the Assyrians and Hezekiah is a king of Israel at that time, or king of Judah technically at that time. And uh he builds this tunnel out of the city so that they're connected to clean drinking water and they can last longer in this siege. And as a result of his like, you know, faithful stewarding of the city of Jerusalem, God kills thousands of Assyrians. Uh, Literally go look up the story. They, they go to sleep one night and they wake up and the angel of death has come and there's just thousands of dead soldiers around their city. Um, And, it's because Hezekiah didn't just like look to God to outright save them. He said, God, this is in your hands, but we're going to be smart about this. So he's taking his physical like resources and using them to support his neighbors, using them to care for the people under his rule. And God blesses him as a result of that work. Um, and maybe the last example that I'll cite here that could maybe give us some insight, the parable of the talents, the, the master goes away, gives uh, five talents to his most trusted servant, two to another and one to another. <clears throat> when he returns and they give account, he's happy with the one that or the two that have taken those uh, investments and, and grown them and caused return from them. Um, but the one that, just scrolls that thing away in the ground. He casts out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So like, to me, that reads as one, if there's a, you know, Jesus connection to this, um, we ought to be sharing the wealth that is our mercy and grace received from Christ with the world so that there is a continued return because God looks on that with joy but if we're talking about this purely in terms of like physical possessions, um, God still encourages us to use the things that he's given us wisely so that they create a good return, whether that's, you know, physically investing them so that we have more money to then use in other places, or if it's us taking things like our money or our food or our time and investing them in people or in the church to create a return there in terms of like growing faith, growing in relationship, being a better neighbor. Um, God looks on that with joy too. So, and in none of those circumstances, is it you increasing? It's the blessing that God is giving you is increasing because you're just doing what God asked you to do in the first place. He's just, growing the amount of grace he's bestowing on you because you didn't trip over yourself quite as badly. (laughs) And sort of an add-on to that, 
I think a helpful way for us to shift our perspective <laughs> on things is stop viewing natural consequences as just this is how the world works. Mm. So, so these are some of the things that Ben was talking about. Like if you prepare and you work hard and you say you go to college and you get not just a college degree, you get an employable college degree, right? So you get a degree in engineering or in, um, in biochemistry or in education or in finance. Like you get a degree like that and you get a good job. And because you get a good job, you get a good salary and you have a, you have stable employment. You have a nice house, like all of these things you can say, Oh, these are just natural consequences of the choices that someone made. Fair. Don't think about them as natural consequences though. Think about them as this is how God designed the world to work. So when we say natural consequences or when we say, Oh, that that's just what you get, or those are the consequences of, we think, no, this is God at work. God is is rewarding or providing or disciplining, depending on the situation, for his people through the way that he designed us to interact with each other, through the way that he designed the world to function. And I think if we can shift our perspective on that, we can have maybe a much more helpful view of what it looks like for God to provide um, for us. And I think closely related to that is shift your why. For a lot of these things, we got to change. How, why are we doing things? Why do we push for things? Um, because a lot of times we're driven by those natural consequences. I'm going to study hard so I get good grades. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to get this degree so I can get a good job. Or I'm going to get this good job so I can make good money, whatever. Forget all that and say, I'm going to study hard because God has called me to be diligent in this vocation. I'm going to get an employable degree because God has called me to be a good steward of my time. I'm going to get a good job because that will allow me to serve other people well Mm -hmm. with whatever skills God has given me. Right? We shift the why for how we do things from because we're after the natural consequences to, because this is what God has called me to do. This is who God has called me to be. And I think if we start to shift our perspective there, we're in a much better place to see God providing for us and to receive God's provision for us is my thought. Anyway, I, I do want to push back on that slightly. By all means, because it's, it's starting to sound a little bit like righteousness equals wealth. That was not my intention. <laughs> Good. Which is what I figured was your, was going to be your answer. But I we'd also like to make that clear. Like Oh, yeah. Like your your calling could be to be a missionary or a church worker. Yeah. And and that's the that's the God is calling you to serve people in that way. That is not going to result you in being wealthy. Yeah. It, at least it shouldn't, right? I, yeah. I do actually take issue with pastors who get loaded. Yeah. Being provided for, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Having a vacation house and three BMWs, your church probably could have used those resources better. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, if you want to get a degree in history because you want to make sure that the world doesn't make the same mistakes that it's made in its past. And you want to teach kids about that. Great. Do it. We need, we need intelligent people helping us make sure we don't make those same mistakes again. If you want to get a degree in philosophy because you like your head to hit, you like your head to hurt on a daily basis. You're insane, but I love you because some people needs to, some people need to consider these questions. Um, like if you want to, I think most of those questions are best considered, uh, by barely cognizant people late in the morning, in the hours of the morning. You mean at like 4am because they've been up all day? Yes. They're up all night? Yeah. Yes. Um, that's where those questions are best considered. Uh, I was lighting a candle. That's why I have a lighter. I'm going to go with a one, one eighty or one B. Um, one A is on the John. Um, 
Shower thoughts. Mm, bathroom thoughts in general. Um, anyway. Like, Why do people still listen to this podcast? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, if you're listening to this now and you want to give us an answer, feel free to go to the Facebook page and just like, Tell us like, why you still I'm listen to this podcast. We um, have, on average, 20 listeners, and I want to know why. Um, but in all of these things, like, uh, it's important for us to recognize that God is, has gifted us each in different ways. And, like, you might be really good at what you, what you do. Um, I think Josh and I make pretty decent pastors. Um Neither one of us has at least had to resign in shame yet. So we've cleared that well, bar. If the bar is that low, yes, we're, we're yeah. fine. But I'm pretty sure that I make less than my 24 – no, how old is he? 23-year-old brother who's a civil engineer that graduated just over two years ago from college. Um, and he's really good at what he does too. But, like, it's just, it's a different field. So you can't necessarily compare apples and oranges either. Um, and don't think that Josh and I are trying to. Um, but the, the last thing that I want to touch on in terms of, like, thinking about how God provides is circle back to some of the history stuff that we started with. Um, what does it mean that God provides? Like, let's take a look at his history and how he's done it in the past, what he's done in the past, why he's done it in the past. Um, and that will tell us a lot about what he continues to do. Like, if we look at the example that we started with from the book of Exodus, he was driving his people out of slavery into a land that he had promised their forefathers so that he could create a stable place from which he could bring Messiah into the world, the savior of the world. He sustained these people because they were an integral part of his plan. Not because they just happened to be a pretty faithful person. Um, he sustained people like Jonah when he became a nitwit for a while and had to get thrown into the ocean. Because God, he was an integral part of God's plan to bring the people of Assyria to repentance. And he sustains us because we're an integral part of his church, but not necessarily in body and mind at all times. Instead, he sustains us in faith and in life. And he does that through the work of Christ. And without that, not like we would all perish eternally. So I'm, I'm very, very happy for that sustaining. Um, and I think that should be where we focus on... God's provision is less on the, the physical reality and more on the what he's done for us to make us whole, to make us righteous, to give us mercy um, so that we can stand before him on the judgment day. And he says, good, done, good job, well done, a uh, good faithful servant. Come join, uh, come enjoy life with me. So. That's my uh, that's my closing thought here, Josh. And maybe that's why people still listen because every once in a while we come up with a decent nugget. I actually I was just looking back at our stats while you were having that profound moment. Um, <laughs> over the last year, we've actually averaged a thousand download or a uh, hundred downloads a month. So it's it's averaging twenty five listeners a uh, a week, which is. Thank you. To me. Thank you. To, to those of you that are listening. Yeah, we do thank appreciate you. it. We, we genuinely do. We, yeah. We appreciate this it. is an enjoyable part of our week for us. And uh, yeah. Isn't this like a three minute soundbite of it clapping? Is, it is a 36. I'm going to, I'm going to stop it because it's ridiculous, but yes, that is a 36 second sound cut. <laughs> um, entirely too much. Uh, so we're going to move on to takeaways. I yeah. think, I think we're ready yes. for that point. Yeah. I think we're ready for that. Um, and I think my takeaway is kind of the last and, and Ben provided some good clarity on it, but it's that last thing I was talking about. And that is 
shift your why. Try to think about things more in terms of I do them or I think about them or I talk about them in certain ways because that's how God has called me to act. And let that be your motivator instead of because I want to accomplish this or because I want to get this or because I want to move in this direction. Start to try and think. And it's a hard shift because it is a big shift. It is a massive shift. But shift your why. Shift how you think about why you do and say and think the things you do. So that is my takeaway. What about you, Ben? I think for me, it's a kind of leaning into that last point most of like when we're thinking about the way that God provides, um, I guess the first point and the last point that we made, one, consider that God provides quite a bit through just normal means, um, ordinary means, everyday things. Um, And when he does provide miraculously, sometimes we undercut the scope of that. Like sometimes we do with Jesus in the way that he provides us mercy and grace. So, um, yeah, hold on to those things. With that, uh, time for our shameless plugs, as always. Um, We, as we said, we really enjoy doing this. So if this is something you want to support, if this is something you want to keep moving forward, um, the, the best way that you can do that is to subscribe to us on whatever platform that you listen on and to share us with your friends because that's, that's probably the best way. Uh, when I listen to new podcasts, most frequently it is because someone said, this is really worth your time. So if you think this podcast is worth someone's time, let them know, share it with them, uh, share it on your social media. If, if that is something that you are into And if you think this episode specifically would help someone, text them a link, uh, pass it along to them and say, hey, I know you're struggling with this, or I think this would be really good for you to listen to, depending on where they're at, um, and pass it along. If you have any topics for us, if you have any topics, you say, I want to hear what Ben and Josh have to say about this, or you have any guest hosts that you want us to try and get on, we we will try. Um, You can text us, let us know, you can email us. Or if you don't know us personally, you can always reach out to our Facebook page. Um, that's Man Buns of Jesus on Facebook. And, uh, and I think that's all we have in the way of shameless plugs. If you see it, well, actually, never mind. I was going to say, if you see us at Best Practices, stop and say hi. But um, this will come out after that conference has come and gone. So disregard that last. <laughs> With that, it has been a pleasure being with all of you this day, time, whatever. Uh, Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Yep. Thanks be to God.